you know what this means? It means I am a member of a clique. Let me ask you this. Okay. Do we look like the types who arrest you? Not at all. Right. Exactly. You're not the bad guys. We are. is 6.55 Saturday morning um, watching the footage that I've watched in the build up to this game I watched a lot of um, the Stormers but I watched, uh, I watched a lot of Munster's work back too um, over the last couple of weeks uh, and I mean match weeks um, and I mean basically since what we've accepted as the turnaround of Munster's season since Porky Cueve um, where we are at the moment is um, we need at least three points from these next two games to have a playoff run first of all but to make sure that we have European Champions Cup rugby next season which is very important for a number of different reasons uh, playing in the Champions Cup there's more revenue there's uh, and, and I say this as with some level of knowledge over it there is no specific clause in sponsorship deals Um there may be some but a lot of the the funding that you might receive from sponsors is dependent on being in certain tournaments um, and the European Cup is one of those that has you know the the potential to be a little bit unpredictable Um, never mind the fact that when you're in the Champions Cup you might get a, a big team in your group but for the most part you're drawing teams like you know no disrespect to them the likes of Breve the likes of Pau the likes of you know, Newcastle, the likes of, you know, lower level English and French teams um, and, you know, the odd team from from elsewhere in Europe, the likes of the Southern Kings, the likes of the Cheetahs, perhaps, um, which isn't as big a draw at the gate, which means that you can't charge as much for the tickets and the opposition aren't as glamorous, so there isn't as much of a drive uh, to go see them. There'll still be a decent crowd there, but... That's the the worry uh, ahead of these next two games is that we don't have that business done with two games of the season left. Now, there's been a lot of conversation um, in the last couple of days, and I think over over the course of the season, in the TRK Secret Club and in, you know, questions into the TRK mailbag, into Rugby Basics and stuff like that about what, how did Munster get into this position? Firstly, we, we have been in this position before. We have been... Um, last season even where we had a really poor end to the season we finished in 6th um, left at the first round of the playoffs but got European Cup Rugby which was something that was the end of a of a process um, and I suppose getting the Champions Cup Rugby sorted out you know as late as it was that in itself is 
no real comfort at the end of a five-year process at that stage with, with, with Van Kron and the different guys, different signings that were, that were brought in. We're at a very different stage now, which is difficult for people to accept at this point in the season. Um, I, I think we've gone through a number of changes this year as a, as a team, as a, as, a, as a playing group, where the start of the season was desperate. And there was, I think, a little bit of understanding from the IRFU there that, look, this is the style of play that Munster were, that we wanted Munster to bring in. Um, we wanted Munster to build with those young players that we've been looking for them to build for some time. Um, but then decided to, with that new style embedding, uh, to take away the young players that were going to be a core factor of it uh, for four rounds of the URC. Now, we lost a lot of those games. Guys came in, senior players, and I think there was this idea that, well, oh, the senior players who were on the New Zealand tour will just come back in and that will be, like that'll, they'll just win those games. But when you make a radical change in your in your playing style, regardless of who's coming in, if there's different things that are being done with different coaching and different requirements, results can be unpredictable. And they were unpredictable, where Munster lost the first two games of the season to uh, Cardiff and Dragons. If you watch or go back, if you're in the five euro tier, I made a, a really big work rate article, which is normally in the 10 euro tier available this week to give you an idea of some of the the context of the season. This was specifically to do with last week's or the two weekends ago, the game against the Sharks. There was the breakdown work there was very poor. It echoed some of the breakdown work from earlier in the season. Um, And I'm talking about the first two games. One of them, it, it, it mirrored it perfectly, which was the opening game of the season against Cardiff, where we had a desperate time at the breakdown, constantly losing or getting turned over. We weren't turned over as much here but our effectiveness of the breakdown was more or less the same um and like when you're making a, a radical change in your in your attacking system and the the sort of plays you're expected to make a lot of guys are just not used to well oh, oh wait i'm supposed to be in this spot to clean that out like we didn't do that previously and you have to learn that you have to earn unlearn a lot of the way that you were playing and then relearn a lot of the new processes that you're playing. Munster have gone from a fairly high percentage kick team where a lot of our usage of possession ended up being kicked um, to a very high possession team and a low volume kicking team. We don't kick that much at all anymore. We're a high possession team. What the difference in that is, is that if you're going to be a high possession team, that means more passing. It means more rucks. And when you've got more rucks and more passing, that means that there's a higher workload on the players who are going to be basically making that system work. If you want to play high possession rugby, but you don't have an efficient breakdown, you lose. And we're trying to find a way of playing that can hopefully be a point of difference for Munster going forward into the next three or four years. Um, But there's going to be difficulties in starting that up. Um, it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to do, and it's not going to be something that will be painlessly implemented. Um, I think everybody looks at the end product as to what we'll say Leinster are trying to build uh, or, or what Leinster have built right over the last eight seasons. Um, but go back to the start of when they were building that, and the roots of it were, were tough. They were difficult and they was led to a few unpredictable results in that first season under Leo Cullen. Now, they sharpened up a lot under Stuart Lancaster the second season, but 
that was a very difficult first year for them with a lot of new guys coming in, a lot of young players getting opportunities. And there was flux and they did flux that first season. But for Munster, at this stage, like I've said it before on on other podcasts, were Munster to win a trophy this season would be a massive, massive result. Like at this point, you can't see it. Right now, at, at, I, I will say that if the likes of RG Snayman really start hitting into to like the top level performances that we know he can do, you know that's a guy who can be a game changer. But as it stands, given the performances over the last couple of weeks against second half of the Scarlets, the first half against Glasgow, and the majority of that game against the Sharks, it's it's tough to see it at the moment. And when you're going to play a team like the Stormers, who have a fantastic record at home, that doesn't necessarily fill you with a whole ton of confidence as to how the rest of the season is going to go. But there are non-negotiables. And that's three points that is finishing inside the top six and getting Champions Cup rugby for next season nailed down. Whatever happens in the playoffs will happen. That's what we've got to do to continue the building and the rebuilding process that's going on in the post-Van Kron era and in the new first season under Graham Rowntree. Now, I spoke about it a little bit in the red eye in the build-up to this, where um, the process of rebuilding, it's not even fully started as of yet. We have a new style of play, right? But in any rebuild and in any regeneration, there are going to be players and there are going to be guys who were there at the start, but who are not there at the end. And I think we're still at that point where we have a bunch of players and we have guys who are good squad level players. We have guys who are, you know, who who will not be at the club um, at the start of the next preseason. And this is the process that we're in. Um, When Graham Roundtree was actually officially hired, it was long after the point when a lot of contract work could be done. Antoine Friche was a bit of an anomaly in that we had the money available for him, but there was also availability there, mainly because of Bristol's contract and uh, salary cap issues at the time. He had not got a contract signed, and I think he had an out in it, in in whatever he had. So we were able to come in, make an offer, and get that deal done. But for the most part, it was impossible to do the sort of squad maintenance and the squad... um, pruning I suppose that would typically happen during a rebuild given how late uh, Graham Rountree was actually officially announced as the new head coach that came at around the start of April to give you a kind of a rough approximation it's around this time when Graham Rountree could actually begin to start planning what was going to be happening going forward with playing style with his coaching staff with uh, the players that would be implementing it there was an element of well we're kind of not not stuck with these guys but like we have a lot of guys here who look we just don't know how they're going to react now people will say look Graham Rountree was here for three seasons prior to this and and that's true but at the same time that was under a specific way of playing you have no way really of knowing how a guy is going to perform in that environment until you start to see them training the new way that they were looking to do uh, the new way of playing how they respond to that like a guy who would have really kind of benefited from that to a certain extent was look at Paddy Patterson um, last season with uh, on, in, in, the, in the style under Van Kron and um, and uh, Larkham like elements of what made Patterson kind of people a bit iffy about him last season were completely gone this year because he wasn't required to do as much accuracy in his kicking for example he just had to kick long and on and and, and Munster do that now but 
like last season he was required to be far more accurate with it and that's not really his game and I, th- I, th- I think he looked like not necessarily as good a player as what he's shown this season because the style of rugby didn't necessarily suit what he brought it needed a lot of pass accuracy needed a lot of pace and tempo and now the style suits what Paddy Patterson does prior to him getting his uh, his knee injury but like that's the the sort of place where you can see guys who might have looked one way under the previous system and then change entirely how they're perceived afterwards and that can work positively but it can work negatively also like you look at the the signing of Malachi Fekitoa which was to an extent not masterminded but it was sort of um it, it was on a list that that Graham Roundtree would have been somewhat party to but like I think people really overestimate what the power and what the influence of a unit coach is in a rugby setup this is something I see quite a bit and I, I've had a few questions about this in the in, in like I said in the TRK mailbag about people wondering like well Graham Roundtree was here last season why was he not trying to bring this in last year that kind of it's under it under it, it doesn't really understand what the issue is and I, like, I suppose that's why people are asking in TRK mailbag but it's one of those things where you kind of overestimate what is possible um the director of rugby and the head coach and the sort of the second head coach they do the majority of the the game planning and the the recruitment like unit coaches have an input but the final decision always always comes down to the head coach and it's like the head coach has far more of a um of a of, of a say of things actually happening and i know that sounds obvious but as a unit coach you are you have your job you have your guy you you, you you report to your head coach you look after your your units and whatever else like that and there will be like strategy meetings and stuff like that where you know you will have your your input or whatever else but the, the final say does come down to the head coach and that's the that's the really big difficult thing about being a head coach is that you have to own all those decisions and that's something that Graham Rountree has been getting to grips with this season in particular because it's one thing to be as experienced a unit coach as what he's been for God only knows how long and, and an important coach in a number of different setups. But when it comes down to being the head coach, like there are there is stuff that you can only experience when you're in that spot. And Graham Rountree is experiencing that this year where like the 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 overall and the overarching look at what you're doing and and dealing with players as head coaches is different from being a lieutenant and like that's something that you can only get that experience of when you're literally there when you're literally in there dealing with this stuff week to week day to day hour to hour and like that's where we're at um coming in here and i think he's learned a lot this season about about who are going to be his guys going forward and like you can you, you, you can look at certain things where i think there's a you look at the contracts that monster signed this season where people are kind of going well geez why is that guy re-signing a contract the likes of you know jack o'donoghue or the likes of niall scannell or rory scannell look these are guys who give you good depth and that's something that's very important and will be very important next season i think looking at the selection here we can see the roles that i know niall scannell is injured but like we can see the role that these guys have in the squad isn't necessarily to be cast iron starters. Now I think with in Niall Scannell's case, he is probably at the moment I think our more our most well balanced hooker. He's far from the perfect player. I mean nobody is, but like when you look at what 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 we need from a modern hooker these days, he's got some of the qualities he doesn't have others. But 
at the same time that does not mean he should be cut free like that he can still be a highly productive member of this squad and that's something I think that Graham Rountree has got the balance with quite right there's been a lot of guys who we've missed and like who who we've missed through injury over the course of the season like Tom O'Hearn like RG Snayman obviously as well Tyke Byrne as well now but like you look at where we want to be this time next season like I think we're, we're we're closer today than what we were at any point last season to being a team who can possibly trouble teams when it comes to actually lifting trophies we weren't there and anywhere close really last season this year we won't really be that close either but I think what we're building is more sustainable and more effective in the long term but we'll have to wait and see on that and that's the big obstacle this weekend actually is can we get the job done this week to make sure that we have that proving ground next season so that we're not playing Challenge Cup rugby with every all the unpredictable finances that come with it are we able to go out there and beat the Stormers for the first time I think in 18 games at home like I think we can do it it's going to be very difficult but that's where we are and I think that the start of the season it kind of was always going to come down to this there was a couple of like really poor performances as well that have kind of caught us on the hop where that that, that loss to Glasgow was a killer um and that's something that I think that sticks in my head more so than the um, the performance against the Sharks. The Sharks were an incredibly big, incredibly imposing team. Now, Glasgow are very good, but, you know, we're not talking about the same size profile here. This Munster team have struggled, typically, against big, super heavy teams. Glasgow have the capacity to put that out. And we struggled almost immediately so it's not necessarily about class it's about can our system deal with size and I suppose the breakdown is going to be hugely important here as well as I mentioned if we are a high pass per carry team and a high possession team which we are if our breakdown is inefficient it kills us it kills us because if we're not attacking we're defending if and which I know is absolutely obvious that there's only four main states but they both relate to attack and defense in this game we cannot afford to be defending against this Stormers team for very long. So we want to hang on to the ball as much as possible. And to do that, we need efficient ruck ruck work. We also need pods who know where they're going. We need organisation and we need solid passing from our primary playmakers. But also a kind of a triple threat from those guys where we need those players to be able to make and renew our pod structures as much as possible so there needs to be imagination there needs to be forward thinking but you need to be able to generate your own offense as well and that's something i think that is going to be very important when it comes to the team selection and i think we'll, we'll get to that now um looking at the stormers i'll just briefly go through their team you look at what they have and, and, and who they've been building with over the last couple of years um like they're a, a good side they obviously won the URC last year um, they've had a few injuries this year too Evan Roos has been out uh, he's coming back in now he's actually on the bench for this one but when we have a when we have a look at this team we'll see a few areas of weakness that in theory we can attack and, and exploit but like fullback Damien Willemsa um the two wingers, uh, Suleiman Hartzenberg and a Siabello uh, Sanatlia. Like, these are very talented players going forward. What we don't want to do is give these players too much space on transition because they will hurt us. But what we, I think, ideally would want to do here, there's a the whole thing about the kicking game, right? Which 
Exeter exploited. Leinster absolutely did. We don't kick as much. And we don't do that type of kicking as much. There is value in doing it here. We're a high possession team. We hang on to the ball an awful lot. We try to renew. Like I said, if you look at the, the stats from this, like we have the most carries. We have the most meters after contact uh, in the URC this season. Like we've really upped that part of our game. And not in a way where we're just picking and going off nine. That like that's that like that's the really interesting thing. We've maintained a one point four pass per carry average all the way through this season. The things that have been holding us back are our breakdown accuracy, our line out, and our maul. If those things were at the same level as our ball carrying, like we would be challenging in the top two this season. And you know, we possibly would have beaten Leinster at least once um this season. But they are areas where we really do need to work on, and I think that only bringing guys in or developing guys up who we haven't seen so far or having a kind of a, a role tweak or a massive improvement with some of the guys who are here will we get to that level our breakdown work hasn't been consistent from where we needed to be some of that comes down to selection but it also comes down to decision making from halfback okay that's something where we need to work on also but if you look at that back three there like when we do kick and when we do decide to kick long we have to find grass. We have to hurt uh, Sanatla and we have to hurt Hartzenberg. Make them play under pressure. If they decide to start going into to kicking, which again, like Hartzenberg can do, Sanatla can do also, but like, can we generate the sort of opportunities that Leinster did by kicking to them repeatedly in the backfield? I'm not sure that'll work at home. The weather conditions in um, the RDS that night were fairly difficult and these guys would not really be used to playing in it. So I'm not sure you'll get the exact same results. Um, Exeter kicked to them to a certain point also, but there weren't a massive errors there um, where like they, they were like, you know, obviously where the kick defense and, and their work in the backfield was like ridiculously poor. It wasn't like we can buy the odd um, mistake and we can buy the odd you know you know squint kick where it goes off out in the full or whatever else that like that will happen in the game from one of those back three guys or even from the likes of Manny Limock, uh, Libok but can't be relying on it and I think we're actually much better off holding on to the ball and like playing with the structure that I've spoken about rather than um trying to over like trying to kick them out of the game not sure that'll work to the same level here and we don't want the Stormers having transition um, possession uh, too much of it anyway they're going to have it a couple of times we can't be giving it to them regularly we would have to box kick and I, I think that there's the possibility of kind of hurting Hartzenberg and Sanatla in the air on the wings um, I wouldn't expect to see us doing a whole lot of counter transition kicking because we don't really do that um, but yeah that's going to be an area of the game where I wouldn't expect there, there will be one or two mistakes. I wouldn't expect it to be a drastic area of weakness for the Stormers, though. In midfield, they have Ruhan Nell and Dan Duplessis. Big physical runners, good handers of the ball, good players on transition. Um, Not exactly the biggest names going, but good players. And I, I think guys who can be effective for them and have been effective for them over the course of the season. Uh, Libok and Paul DeWitt are their halfbacks. In their front row, Stephen Kitchoff, Joseph Dueba, Franz Malherba, Ruben Van Heerden, uh, and Marvin Ori. Uh, remember Munster versus the Ospreys in the Champions Cup during the pandemic? Uh, Marvin Ori actually played for uh, the Ospreys for a bit. He was the, up there was a medical joker. He had a bit of a run in with, with CJ Stander that year. Um, he's that guy. 
I kind of only realised that the other day. Uh, in the back line, they have wi- or the back row, they have Willie Engelbrecht, they have Ben Jason Dixon, and uh, Hakjiva Diamani, um, who is a really pacey, really good small forward. And, and this is the way that uh, that the, the Sharks built their back row as well, where you have Willie Engelbrecht as a heavy combo flanker. He works in the line out. He's a good ball carrier, just a well balanced player. You have then you have Ben Jason Dixon, who essentially is a second row. He is another lock. And uh, what you have with uh, Diamani is a player who covers so much ground. He's so energetic. He's so athletic. He's elusive, and he just has this knack of showing up in the right areas. And um, he like he gets what he is supposed to be doing. And like for a guy who is like 6'2 and under 100 kg, I've been watching this guy for a while. Like he's a very, very interesting player and his ability to kind of do everything a small forward is expected to do, but with far more punch than what you would expect for a guy of his weight, we'll say. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a power winger, but he's playing at number eight. Um, he's very a very interesting player and he will cover a lot of gaps for uh, the Stormers this in, in, in this game because that's that's what he has been doing all season long like his role is small forward here and, and, and Engelbrecht will do this to an extent as well but if I was to have one criticism of Engelbrecht it would be that he's not the most athletic guy laterally his ability to cover across isn't elite for me um, so the likes of D- Diamani covers so much ground and is so quick in doing it as well he gives an element of balance to a very big, very physical um, Stormers pack, especially their front five, heavy, direct, and we don't want to engage them too much in their terms, let's put it that way. On the replacements bench, they have JJ Kotza, Ali Vermark, Niesling Fouch, Ernst van Rijn, uh, Marcel uh, Thunissen, uh, Ernst van Rijn is their captain, big guy, Evan Roos, Herschel Yanchis, and Clayton Blumchies. Uh, you look at Ernst van Rijn, he's a guy who would be in that Finney Witcherly size bracket, but is very explosive, very direct. Um, interesting player as well, actually. Um, but you look at the Evan Roos there, the 6 2 split they've gone, uh, they've gone for. I think they understand elements of where they're weak and where they want to improve. Like you look at their, their game against Exeter, I think they would have looked at that and gone. There's not much for us here with regards to, like, I think they would have looked at it and gone, we've lost too many collisions there in that game, which they did. Elements of that can be put down to the travel, um, but I think when you see a 6-2 split with any South African team, they're talking about being very direct and, like, very physical. It's a cliche, yeah, of course they're going to be very physical. But for Munster, that doesn't change the equation as to what we want to do here. And uh, Munster's team... I heard it during the week. Very interesting. Uh, back three uh, has been the back three who've played really well for us this season. Mike Haley, Calvin Nash, Shane Daly. Midfield, Antoine Frisch and Malachi Fekatoa. Malachi Fekatoa is one of those guys who I think we had an idea would be one way when we started this season. But in it turns out has not been the guy that we that we expected. And I think his, his profile um, as being a kind of a very well-known player it's kind of to to an extent masked what was a bad role fit for what we need. We need a 12, 13 who kind of both have similar skill sets. Um, And I think that Malachi Fekitoa is a good offloader, but that's kind of all he is at this stage where he's obviously a good carry, you know, off uh, on the set piece. He can win collisions for you. Um, And I think himself and Frisch can actually do a really good job for us today. 
but he's not the sort of well-balanced player that you're looking for these days in midfield where he'd nearly be better for us as a power winger but his game isn't balanced enough for there either like going forward I think with this monster team you will see all of the back like the the, the back line being essentially the same player uh, with similar role sets and interchanging uh, because there's so much of what they're going to be expected to do will be the same thing you'll need to be a balanced kicker you'll need to be a good passer you'll need to have a kind of a wide range of passing but you've got to have that athleticism and contact as well and like I look at Shane Daly how well he's done this season I still think he's got more to go I think he's still got um, levels in his game where he can go up to um, but Calvin Nash is a guy who's in line for being my player of the season he has been outstanding this year last week against or two weeks ago against the Sharks he was the bright spot in that team beating defenders making line breaks winning aerial duels that'll be all needed today as well but he is electric and his development this season has been outstanding where he is now showing himself as a guy who can destroy players physically um, where he, if he gets them in open space he can cut them up and that's something that was always there in his game but it's there consistently now and he'll have a big game today I feel um, where if we can use him correctly there is a lane right up the middle of the rock where we can find him and you look for Conor Murray to find him in exactly the sort of like inside ball sort of way that Conor Murray does we will try that at least once against the Stormers and I think it'll work once uh, at halfback Jack Crowley and Conor Murray uh, on the bench by the way in the back three Keith Earls great to see him there Ben Healy and Craig Casey um, no Joey Carberry for this one which has a lot of people not confused because I think everybody can understand that Joey hasn't been playing well or at the level that's expected this is where we kind of come down to expectation if you had a young player who was maybe 21 22 who was coming up and producing what you saw from Joey Carberry over the last couple of months we'll say you would have been like okay that's there's some decent stuff there from this guy needs to put a lot of it together but there's a decent player there um when that guy is supposed to be your your main man, the guy that you signed and, and was signed by Johan van Kroon to be a sort of a finishing piece for this club, um, that's obviously not good enough. And like you're looking for a little bit more from a guy who look he isn't on the same size of a contract that he was um when he first well, when he first signed and then when he re-signed after six months onto a newer deal. But the worry is that this is the new baseline for Joey Carberry where he, look he's been okay there's been moments during games where it's like okay look that was nice nice little you know nice break there nice kick but you look at you look at his performances and like you look at stuff like how up and down his kicking was that was always a baseline for Joey that his goal kicking was always good he had one bad game against Cast in his first season where he couldn't kick snow off a rope he turned it around and was an assassin for the rest of the games that he played off the tee. Just relentless. Um, and that's a massive part of like of, of what had become Joey Carberry's game. He's good off the tee. That's fluctuated up and down now, as happens, right? But when you're a guy who's on the comeback trail, as it feels like he's been for the last two years, you need to have like anchors in your game that you can always go back to. And it seems that he doesn't have those like anchors in his game where you can always go back to them like it feels like the game has changed an awful lot for Joey Carberry 
and the game has changed an awful lot in general and like Joey was a top player for us 2018-2019 got injured before the World Cup and then lost the guts of three years and in that time what was required from your playmakers athletically has changed and when he came back he wasn't the same athlete he was before in my opinion look he could be hitting markers for all I know but what I do know is that the explosive guy the elusive agile killer who could catch you in those small little like those small little gaps you leave you think nobody's taking that space Joey Carberry could that guy isn't really there anymore and like there's people who are kind of doing victory laps kind of going well he was never a 10 he was always a fullback I don't believe that's the case I think he had the, the capacity to be a top 10. I think he was a guy who had that capacity before he got that series of injuries where he could be, like, he wanted to be the best player in the world. And I genuinely think he had the capacity to maybe not be the best in the world, but be a really good international 10 and to be in that conversation now where, you know, Johnny Sexton's a guy who's backing him up off the bench, like the veteran role off the bench. That's probably the, the ideal not for Johnny Sexton because I don't think he wants that but I think that had Joey been fit for the majority of the last four years I think he probably would be in that conversation now but the fact is that he has had those injuries and he missed large swathes of the pandemic seasons uh he was you know and not with nothing injuries either for a guy like him to have the ankle difficulties that he had are it's very difficult to recover from that because you're a guy who's based on explosivity on agility on speed if your ankles are your ankle isn't necessarily what you want it to be and you know you're not as comfortable as what you once were in it that's a large part of your game that's a big problem now so like you look at him just objectively over the last couple of months has he been a guy who has demanded that he be re-included in the Irish team with his performances no I don't I don't. I think it's fair enough to say that he hasn't been that guy he hasn't had that sort of impact he hasn't had that sort of influence in games and like he's lost his place in the 23 for this game maybe he'll be back next week but at, at this stage I think that Munster are in the Jack Crowley business and kind of have to be at this point because at 27 going on 28 like Joy Carberry's a young man he's not he's far from done at this stage but can you rely on him now as being the guy you build your team around I don't think so I'm not sure you can do that at all um so like that's the nature of 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 pro sport it's the nature of rugby where you will either do the job or the guy behind you will do it and like it's it's tough to see this route now for Joey Carberry given the absolute excitement when this guy was signed and like it's through no fault of his own really like the injuries are what they are and injuries take something from all players like and for him to be out for 18 months and you know longer we'll say getting back up to the speed that he would have wanted like that takes especially from a playmaker that takes so much out of your game especially with the way that the game is, is moving and changing and adapting like it shouldn't have been the case that Ben Healy who was I think in year one of the academy when Joey Carberry joined would be equivalent with him on caps by the time Joey came back on, on Munster caps and appearances by the time uh, Joey came back and was available more or less week to week I think he gets the game I think he gets what he wants what, what Munster are trying to do 
but even little bits and pieces like his pass accuracy aren't what they need to be like that was okay when he was a fellow who could beat fellas inside and outside but that's not the case anymore so pass accuracy like because I think you've all seen it where you know off certain sides the pass coming off him is a little bit wobbly a little bit slow in the air can't have that not in this system not in a high possession system and like the last two weeks where he came off the bench and, and played a you know a, was a non-factor in the end of the game really um, I'm not sure what it means I'm not sure if it means anything in the long term because like I said there could be an injury tomorrow I hope there's not but there could be and he comes back in to finish to finish up the season as the number 10 um, I'm not sure if that changes anything in the longer term because whatever is true about Joey who Joey is now I suppose that's where we're at now and there's not much that could be done to change it um, so yeah Joey like I said with Jack Crowley last week against the Sharks or last time out rather against the Sharks he was a, a shiny light for us uh, his passing his ability to go to the line his athleticism his understanding of when to kick um, all really really good and like he played well even though Munster played poorly Um and I think I think that's a credit to him as well. So not at all surprised to see him starting here at all. Like I would have been surprised if he hadn't started this game, given how well he played. Um our pack. Oh, Connor Murray starts as well. Um I can sort of understand it if you're looking at Craig Casey as a as a as an equal to Connor Murray now. Um because like again, I don't don't think Craig had a, had a great game or anything. But when you look at Connor over the last number of years, he hasn't been great, you know. And I would hope here that he can have one of those games where, you know, there can be kind of a, a start from Conor Murray and you see Conor Murray, the guy. Um, but, like, I still think Craig Casey can produce a really big game off the bench here. Like, there were a few bad pass decisions last week and that led to turnovers. Because, again, in this system, halfbacks can't make, like, decision mistakes. So Craig Casey's his passing was below the level that we normally associate with him. There were there were reasons for that also, but like, I suppose it's one of those things where he didn't play well. He's being treated like an equal now, so Conor Murray will get to start. I suppose that's better than being the the rookie who was thrown in at the deep end and like, well, you know, we're not going to deal with him like a rookie. We're going to deal with him like he's a senior player. Um, I suppose that's something but he's got an opportunity to finish out this game really strong which would be very important against this uh, Stormers team who have an awful lot of um, miles in the clock big moment for Craig Casey had a bad game last week but can turn it around this week off the bench for sure against this team and I'm excited to see how we can do um, off the bench uh, with 20 minutes to work if we're still there physically and if we're still in, t- in, in, in touch on the scoreboard that can be a big game for him um, in the pack Jeremy Lockman returns Dermot Barron uh, starts this one instead of Niall Scannell Stephen Archer starts Stephen Archer was one of our better guys last week with regards to the breakdown so I'm not at all surprised to see him there in the absence of Salanoa uh, Jean Klein and RG Snayman start again in the second row need better from both those guys this week Jean Klein last week had one of the worst performances I've seen from him actually in a number of months um, but again I understand where he is <laughs> he has had a big couple of months off the field with a new baby obviously but like he has had a very very busy season where he has been like through the mill with Munster he has been for a large part of the season the only starting second row that we had available for the vast majority of the season so like of, of, of guys who kind of fit that 
you know, actual lock forward profile. We've got plenty of guys who can, you know, fit in who are kind of undersized guys there at this stage. But he has been and has worked his fucking bollocks off this year. And uh, this is one of those games where he looked a little bit tired, a little bit off. Um, hopefully, he's much sharper this week because uh, he's a vital player for us. RG was, again, really like elite level physicality last week or against the Stormers or the Sharks my god Uh, he has elite level physicality Um, once guys get on his wavelength to take those offloads that he will throw and the passes that he will throw like we will score tries like because the Stormers they hit you with one two three man tackles Snayman can offload out of those right there will be massive gaps either side if we are alive to what he can do we will score tries directly off how did that happen sort of thing that's what RG can do that's what Snayman can do he has the physicality to draw two plus defenders and the skills to offload out of them and if we're alive to it like there was one try last week we coughed up straight under the posts because we thought that we needed to rock support with Snayman you do and you don't like he can always get that pass away. And if you're alive to it, you will score tries and you wonder how the fuck did that happen? This is what Snayman can do. In a way that's different from from um, from Skelton. Snayman can offload like you've never seen, like with the skill of a guy who can win a collision like Will Skelton, but also offload over the top of a guy. If we're alive to him today, we will score tries directly from that alone. Back row. Peter O'Mahony, Alex Kendallin, and Gavin Coombs. And the bench rider, Scott Buckley, uh, Buckley, <laughs> Josh Witcherly, Keenan Knox, Finney Witcherly, and Jack O'Donoghue. Um, I like the look of that starting back row. I need a big performance from Peter O'Mahony today. I was watching the, the breakdown work last week and he was very quiet. And when Peter O'Mahony is quiet, he's the canary in the coal mine. That can mean one of two things. One, he's off. And I think he was off here. This happens. He comes back from the Ireland camp and there's a bit of a bit of a hangover. Not literally, but like he spent most of the week prior to this game gallivanting around South Dublin that's fine but that's happened a fair bit when he comes back from Ireland camp he's not Peter O'Mahony for the first game that he's back it's unfortunate that the first time that he had back after this was a really important game in South Africa there's travel involved too we need the Peter O'Mahony that wins games for you this week we need an hour from him right so we need an hour of the breakdown work that we know he brings on my offensive ruck work scale, whenever Peter Romani goes north of 50, the team usually wins. We need that from him here. Efficient, aggressive, vicious breakdown performance that basically makes that we get secure ball, a resetting offside line against a team that give away, give up a lot of offside penalties, and then continue to build our, 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 our playing, our, our multi-phase game, and start attacking the areas where we know the Stormers are weak with off nine pass to that uh, pot of nine but make sure you're getting an extra meter or two meters right or left where from wherever the rock is we want them moving out to hit us they won't go at the breakdown unless there's an obvious uh, jackal attempt there for them to go for so what we need to do is make sure that when we're drawing those two man hits they are further away from the rock than what we would do if we were just trucking off nine we need to get a little bit more width so we're drawing them and increasing the fall space between the previous rook and the new rook. So we need to make sure that they are like expending a lot of energy to move from one rook to the other. And if we can do that on three, four phases, lanes will open up. And that's when you can start to get 
uh, aggressive blitzes from their outside once you start going to a stack into a layer. So once you start drawing up a blitz from Hartzenberg or from Sanatla or from Ruhanel or Duplessis, you can find space on the outside. And once you get in behind them on the edge, if you're accurate coming back across, they will look to poach in those spaces there, the likes of uh, Diamani. Um, but what we want to do then is come back against them as they're resetting because you can catch Dweba, you can catch Kitschoff, you can catch Malherbe, you can catch Van Heerden on the way back. But we have to catch them on the way back. To get them, we have to get to the edge. We have it, We like as a team, we love getting to the edge. The Ex- Exeter did it really well last week uh, in the Heineken Champions Cup. We play a similar style to Exeter do at the moment. We play high possession. We play with a lot of stacks, a lot of layers. If we can do that here with accuracy, we will get in behind them and we will hurt them. But we need to be accurate. We can't be not. We can't be missing passes. We can't be blowing uh, opportunities. We can't be blowing offloads. We need accuracy, and this is where we can beat them with that style of play. We can score two, three, four tries really quickly with the sort of um, right approach that we're playing. If we give the, the performance we did in the first half against the Scarlets, we will win this game. But can we do it? Do we have the accuracy? Can our set piece, can our line out survive it? Our line out in our mall has been really poor this season on the whole. It's not being the weapon that the likes of Ulster, the likes of Leinster have. Like we have not scored a whole ton of mall tries at all. When you consider how many Leinster have and you consider how many Ulster have, we are far, far behind. That's something that needs to be addressed in the off season for year two of this project. That's it's got to be addressed. If it's not, you know, they will find guys who will. But for now, this game, we need an accurate line out, but we need the retention of the ball. We need good breakdown work. If we can get that, we'll win. If not, we'll lose. I'll be covering different different parts of this game uh, in, in, in bits during the game itself. Uh, I'll do a TRK Radio tomorrow on Sunday uh, to go back over my first run of the game. And the Wally Ratings and the Five Star Podcast will be out at some point on Monday, I will say as well. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being a TRK subscriber. I will talk to you again very, very soon. Thank you.